Welcome to Soccer 101. My name is Taylor Rockwell, and on today's episode, I'm going to paraphrase a question once posed by the great Ted Lasso. How many competitions are in this season? A quick bit of background on this topic. I put out a request for 101 suggestions on Twitter. Here's a response that jumped out from at Madison Soccer. A question I frequently get from new soccer fans is about the competitions. Domestic leagues, the Champions League, Europa League, and the Cups. U.S. sports are pretty much one league, one competition only. So an explanation of how all that works might be good. Thank you to at Madison Soccer for that question. And I really, really agree because this is the exact type of question Daryl and I started this podcast to answer. If you've been into soccer for years, you could probably explain this one yourself, but it does immediately get trickier than you'd think. So I'm going to attempt to explain a few different competitions and their overall schedules, as well as which things are for club teams and which things are for national teams. To start off, competitions like the World Cup, The European Championships, the Copa America, are examples of international competitions that feature only national teams. It does not matter where you play your club soccer. If you're an Italian playing in the Netherlands, uh, if your manager or domineering corporate sponsor, as the case may be, selects you, you're repping your country. That's how it works. International competitions are mostly straightforward, so we don't need to spend so much time on them, which I believe was Also briefly, the policy of the U.S. men's national team in October 2017, but the less said about that, the better. Let's instead take a look at club competitions, and I'm going to be referring mostly to Europe, as South and Central America have a slightly different structure to very different structure depending on the country. I'm also going to try not to mix too many analogies in this one, but the basic comparison I'm going to draw is to school. Your domestic league is basically your school. You're in it a lot. It's what you spend your time on. If you're not great, it gets kind of boring for very long stretches. You get it. Everything else would be extracurricular activities. They occur over the same time period, but they're more spread out than school and frequently not as important. In England, the top league is the Premier League. It's the Bundesliga in Germany, La Liga in Spain, Serie A in Italy. Those domestic leagues are what the club teams are going to spend most of their time participating in or preparing for. Most European domestic leagues run from late August until early May, which also does feel appropriate for the school analogy. I'm just saying. But you can't just have kids running around all the time after school. You got to give them structure, which usually means extracurriculars. And that's where we get to those other pesky competitions. And just like childhood activities, some of those competitions require lots and lots of work, and others require rich parents. Let's take England as an example, where the Premier League is the top division. Under that league would be the Championship, which is a confusing name for the second-tier competition, until you realize that League One is actually the third division, and League Two is the fourth. Much like career bureaucrats, everyone wants a fancy title. But those are the top four leagues in that country, with many, many more continuing on down the ladder. Those leagues are all connected via promotion relegation, but function as their own separate entities from season to season. That means Premier League teams play Premier League teams, championship teams, championship teams, so on. Cup competitions open things up a bit more. You have them in every league, and sometimes in multiple forms. In England, there's the FA Cup and the League Cup. If you want to hear more about the League Cup and why it exists, the short answer being floodlights, then episode 14 of this very podcast answers that question more fully. But generally speaking, your domestic cup competition is going to feature all or most of the teams playing in that respective country. 
So in the later rounds, you might get a Premier League team playing a League Two team or the best team in the championship playing a side mostly of amateurs. Things can get wild, and when they do, the word magic starts getting thrown around. In terms of structure, cup competitions are similar to American playoffs, but spread out over the length of an entire season. You might play your first FA Cup game in September, but if you keep advancing, then you're going to be playing the final in May. It's the FA Cup in England, but the DFB Pokal in Germany, Copa del Rey in Spain, US Open Cup here in the United States. Those are just a few, but pretty much every league I can think of is going to have at least one. To return to the school analogy, the domestic cup competitions are the equivalent of an activity you did once every couple weeks, usually inconveniently on a weekend while you'd rather be doing something else. So like chess club, for example. You aren't going to get much credit for it, even if you do really well, and the prizes don't really make up for all the work that goes into it. In terms of the schedule, given that leagues and domestic cups occur over the course of the same season, it's not uncommon for a team to have a Premier League game on a Tuesday and then an FA Cup game that weekend. If you get knocked out of the FA Cup or the League Cup, you're finished with that competition for that year. You're still playing in your league. We're going to talk about the Champions League and the Europa League, the major European club competitions, in a moment. But first, I want to let you know that this episode of Soccer 101 is brought to you by ExpressVPN. Whether you're a supporter of the Red Devils, the Blues, the Citizens, the Hammers, or the Gunners, we're not going to explain those nicknames on this episode, but we will, maybe at a later date. The easiest way to watch all Premier League action this season is with ExpressVPN. So let's say you are living in England right now, if you're listening. First of all, I feel like you probably know some of the information we're talking about, but if you don't, hopefully you keep listening. And if you want to watch the Premier League fairly cheaply and fairly easily, you could do so if you had a subscription to Peacock Premium, but that is unfortunately only available in the United States. With ExpressVPN, it lets you change your online location to a country of your choice so you can access content that's otherwise locked in your region. Uh, I've talked about it previously, utilizing ExpressVPN to access different countries' Netflixes, Netflix I, whatever plural you want to go with there, uh, because you can say you're in the Netherlands and watch uh, maybe a movie that wouldn't be available here. That's one way to go. You can also say access the BBC if you you wanted to watch like a certain highlight show, you could also do that. You can go to expressvpn.com slash soccer to get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free on a one-year package. And this goes for everyone, not just our international listeners. Expressvpn.com slash soccer for three months free. One more time, expressvpn.com slash soccer, three months in addition to the 12-month package. Thank you very much to ExpressVPN for sponsoring this episode of Soccer 101. Now, let's get back to the topic at hand. If domestic cup competitions are chess club, then the Champions League is like playing an after-school sport at an elite level. There are limited spaces, it's incredibly competitive, you have to travel all over, and again, if you're going to really succeed, it probably requires a lot of money. The Champions League would be the premier club competition in the world. It features all the best teams from Europe and also occasionally Manchester United. What I think can be confusing for some folks who are new to soccer and new to these competitions is the insistence on calling them leagues. They're basically tournaments stretched out over the whole season. For some reason, we call them leagues, but if you think of them as tournaments, it gets a lot simpler. Games are usually played on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, and in terms of structure, it's a bit like the World Cup, but again, spread out. You have eight groups of four teams each. Some teams get to go straight to the group stage. Others have play-in games to get there. More on that in a moment. Once every team has played every other team twice, once at home, once on the road, the top two teams in every group advance to the knockout round. The group stage lasts until November, and then knockout rounds pick back up in February, with the final usually taking place in May, unless there's a global pandemic and then things are subject to change. 
in terms of who gets to compete in the Champions League, it's based on your league position. Uh, the top team or teams from the previous season's domestic league qualifies directly. The number of teams you get to send depends on the strength of your league. England sends four teams directly to the group stage, so two do Germany, Spain, and Italy. France, for example, sends two to the group stage, one to the play-in round, ideally making it to the group stage after that. It continues on from there. The winner of, say, San Marino's domestic league, that's the lowest-ranked domestic league in Europe, 55 out of 55, their winner qualifies for the playing round. So there's still a chance, just very, very slight. And that's the Champions League. The Europa League is the second-tier club competition in Europe with games played on Thursdays. Not to mix metaphors, but if the Champions League were March Madness, then the Europa League is a bit like the NIT. It follows a similar basic structure, but with more teams and less prestige. Uh, it starts with 48 teams spread out over 12 groups. There are varying ways to qualify based on either league position the previous season or success in a cup competition. In Spain, for example, if you finish fifth in the league, you qualify. If you finish 20th, but you win the Copa del Rey, you qualify. There are other ways to make it, but then we're getting into a lot of conditionals and math, and that's a lot. So we'll leave it there. Because we're already going to talk about something else that's slightly confusing right now. In the Champions League, as I said, the top two teams in each group advance to the knockout round. So that's 16 teams in total advancing to the knockout round. In the Europa League, it's the same, mostly. 12 groups in total, two teams each advancing, 24 teams in the knockout round, right? Wrong. That'd be too easy. It's obviously 32 because those 24 teams that make it out of the group are joined by the eight teams that finished third in their Champions League groups. Here's an example. Let's just arbitrarily say that you have a Champions League group. Let's call it Group A. And let's say you have Bayern Munich finishing on top, Atletico Madrid in second, Lokomotiv Moscow in third, Red Bull Salzburg in fourth. Bayern and Atleti are moving on. Lokomotiv would be dropping down to the Europa League. They wouldn't say dropping down, but you're dropping down. And Salzburg would go back to winning their domestic league and getting pillaged for players by European powers who are usually still competing in the Champions League. That's how it all works. So why don't we make sure we've got it all covered using, let's say, Chelsea as an example. Perhaps they finished fourth last season in the Premier League. That means they start this season in four different competitions, the Premier League, the League and FA Cups, and the Champions League. If they stay alive in all four competitions and make it all the way through, they're going to have a very busy season and be famous for a very, very long time. More likely is that they'll get knocked out of one in September or October, one in November, December. Maybe they do okay in the Champions League, but end up getting knocked out in the quarterfinals in April or something like that. To bring it back to the school analogy, the league is school. We've done that. You're focusing on that for most of the year. The Champions League uh, is travel soccer that requires a lot of time and energy and is less important than school, but simultaneously more important on occasion. Domestic cups are activities that tend to fall by the wayside as school gets busier or in the soccer context when your manager decides he's giving everyone a rest and plays all the academy players. And that seems like a good note to end on. I feel like I've given enough detail. And if I go any further, I think I'm just going to make my head and yours probably hurt. So let's go ahead and wrap up this episode of Soccer 101. My hope is that if a listener to this show meets someone who can't quite figure out how all of these dates and competitions are supposed to work, you can spare yourself from coming up with your own extended analogy and instead just point them in the direction of this episode. Thank you all so much for listening. I've been Taylor Rockwell. This has been Soccer 101. I'll talk to you all again soon.